0: listening to Connection Church's podcast. Morning, church. That should make you happy just by looking at it. She's like that all the time, I promise. She wasn't just videoing. She's like that every time you see her. Makes me uncomfortable to see somebody that happy all the time. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see all the smiling faces that made it through thunderstorm Herman or humane, whatever they call it. Um, I just want to tell all alignment that's here. Thank you guys for what you do. Thank you for putting our lights on. Um, can you give these guys a hand and clap? Just thank you. Some of the guys just got called back out to another outage and got to miss church. So um, sometimes we overlook those are the guys that we don't think about until our lights go out. And then those are sometimes the guys we're mad at because they're not turned on fast enough. So uh, just. Thank you guys for what you do. Just, just wanted to tell you guys that this morning. Um, we've been going through the series called The Win, and uh, kind of just going through the four the cultures of our church. Uh, kind of that's what makes us realize that we're winning as a church and as an individual. When we see these cultures relevant and real in our lives, it says that we're making progress. We're, we're taking back ground. And those four cultures are evangelism, generosity, community, and service. And today we're going to be talking about the culture of evangelism. And uh, sometimes when you talk about evangelism, people start getting freaked out. They start, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I can't tell somebody about Jesus. I don't have that gift. That's the first excuse I always have. I don't have that gift of evangelism. If you have a mouth, a mouth, so like she said, the voice of a mouse, if you have a mouth, You can, you can participate in evangelism. It's just about if you a lot of us don't realize the value of it. A lot of us don't tell people about Jesus because we don't think about it in that time. And in the church age where we are right now, we partner evangelism with the preacher. That's what he does. He tells people about Jesus. All I got to do is I got to show up to church and and get fed so I can make it through the week. That sound familiar? And, And the thing is, is, you have to realize, I'm only one person. I only, have, only see so many people in a day, in a week. I only see so many people. How am I by myself going to infect this county for Jesus Christ? It's all of us working together, sharing the gospel, and telling people what Jesus has done in our life. Matthew 28 is one of the, I think, most neglected parts of our walk with Christ. So many people, you know, we know that as the Great Commission, And so many quote that. But how many of us do it? How many of us live out the Great Commission every single day in our life? Matthew 28, verses, um, I'm just going to go in 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just come to you right now. Lord, uh, I just uh, I thank you, God, for being just who you are. I thank you, Lord, for being just, just a huge God, but you care about our small needs. Lord, thank you for taking care of all of us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for bringing us here this morning. God, we just pray, Lord, we lay this whole service at your feet. And, Lord, you do with it with what you want to do with it, Lord. I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, you would just, uh, Lord, we just petition for you to do amazing things and mighty things in our lives. Lord, don't allow us to leave here the same way we came. God, we beg you, don't do that. Speak into our hearts, speak into our lives, Lord. Those of us in this room that's been telling you no. I pray, God, that you would convict their hearts, Lord, in such a way they can't tell you no again. I pray, God, those that say maybe later won't wait another second. Lord, penetrate our hearts, Lord, so that our main focus is serving you and pleasing you, God, and not ourselves. Lord, speak through this message. Speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is the last thing Jesus tells his disciples His followers, this is the last thing on earth, this is the last thing he tells them. The last thing is usually important, isn't it? Isn't it? The last thing is usually important. And he tells them, hey, look, he's giving them, you know, confirmation saying, look, all authority has been given to me. Don't worry about it. But he says, I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples. It's a command from God for us to go and tell people about Jesus and then go make disciples. And I see in most people's lives, or most churches, it's either one or the other. It's not not both. It's either they want to tell people about Jesus, but I don't want to to teach them how to obey God, or I want to teach them how to obey God, and I don't want to tell them about Jesus. I don't have time to tell them about Jesus. It's not either or, it's both. It's both. One of the biggest things I saw when when God allowed me to start going around and preaching different churches is, is we put a huge emphasis on on winning the lost, people that don't know Christ, we bring them in. Let's 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 reach the lost, but then we didn't we don't teach them how to obey God. So then, four, five, six, seven months later, they're like, "Man, what? If, it, if all this thing is, is following God, if all this thing is just going to this building, going to this church, and going home every day. If that's all there is to it, then what is this about?" And you have people leaving the church by the groves because they've never really been rooted in in the faith. Anybody picking up where I'm going? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I mean, it's an epidemic in our churches today. So then you, you go to that side, and, and it had me to where, I mean, I'm all about telling people about Christ. I want people to know Jesus, but I want you to understand how important it is that we teach people how to obey God. How do we, oh, how, I mean, he, he's telling these people, look, I want you to go, go and tell people about Christ. But then I want you also to do life with these people and teach them how to obey me. It's not either or. We don't get to pick what we want and we don't want to do. God's saying, look, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and make people understand what it it means to follow me. One of the biggest things I've noticed in the last couple, probably in the last nine months, is how confused people are about what it means to follow Christ. Christ. People think that it's just coming to a building and coming to a church service, and that means, and just because I got wet when I was a kid and I, and I said a prayer it means I'm following Christ. But nobody's got a real intimate relationship with God. That's what it means to follow God, is to, is to really follow God. I was meeting with a couple this weekend, and, and that was their question. What does it mean to follow God? You tell me, you, I've heard you say, you know, surrender your life, give your life to God, but what does it mean? And, and I kind of was like, well, you gotta ask me deep questions on a Saturday. Come on. What you mean? What does it mean? And, and I started walking them through what it meant to follow Christ. And as I, went, as I walked through that, they were like, that, that makes sense. But nobody has sat down and told me that. Guys, people need to see, you need to spend, we need to spend time with people teaching them what it means to follow Christ. And the biggest part of evangelism is telling people the good news of Jesus, but also sitting down and walking through life with them. Jesus was telling his disciples, look, go, please go, and go share the good news. Go and teach them. And it kind of disturbed me because I was wondering and looking back and thinking, why people don't share the gospel? Why people don't tell other people about Jesus? So I was very curious, so I looked on Google. You know, Google's got all the answers, right? Right. So I've been going to look through Google and, and it come up with a, a, very, uh, a pastor that I respect, and he had a blog, and it, he named some things. So I'm going to read these out. It says, Reasons some churches aren't, and church members aren't evangelistic today. It says, Look, many Christians have no sense of urgency to reach the lost. Many Christians or church members don't befriend or spend time with lost people. Many Christians and church members are lazy and apathetic. Mm. I didn't say it. He did. Um, it says we're known more for what we're against than what we are for. Our churches have the ineffective evangelistic strategy that you come rather than we go. Many Christians think that evangelism is the role of the pastor and paid staff. Church members today are more concerned about my needs getting met rather than reaching the lost. And I'm going to quit because I could keep going. But you see where, where I'm, where, where, what the, what's, what's being said here. We've got to realize something. In the culture we live in and where we are right now today, people are not going to come beating down the door to come to church unless we're beating down their door, inviting them to church because of the reality of where they're going to go if they don't know Jesus. we got to go because of our confidence in the gospel and certainty of, our, of eternity. And I said it a couple weeks ago, and it's one of these statements that's been sticking with me, is, is really what we believe is revealed in how we behave. So our lack of going shows our, 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 really our lack of confidence in the gospel. Our lack of sharing shows that we don't really believe what we say we believe. And I know this is tough, but I mean, I'm just, I'm here to tell you, if we really believe that heaven is for real, that hell is hot, and eternity separated from the presence of God is the most catastrophic thing that can ever happen to somebody's life, if that is the worst thing that can ever happen, so then why don't we tell our friends? Why don't we tell our family? Why don't we share it with our co-workers about what Jesus has done, about why aren't we living it out in front of them? Our lives and our actions speak for us, and often our lack of words and actions speak louder than what we say so do we do you believe what you say you believe I had to ask myself this question this week because this beat me upside the head because often we're so consumed with life that we we're, we're just we're just trying to make it day in day out to where we don't take the time to, to really just like look My life is not about this. My life is really not about this. My life is about following Christ. My life is about eternity. My life is about spending forever and ever with Jesus. And I need to make sure my focus is on that. So this morning, I hope you redirect your focus and put it on the prize ahead and not on what you got right here. Because it's so easy to get sidetracked. on on the bills and on the house payment and on college and on all these different things, on the baby screaming and won't sleep. I mean, all these things, it's easy to get sidetracked, but we we can't get sidetracked because people are dying and going to hell and it's us that has to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And if if we don't tell them, will they ever know? It's a sobering question. And it all boils down to two things in my heart. It all boils down to love and priorities. If you love Jesus like you say you do, then you're going to tell people about him. If you love your your family like you say you love your family, then you're going to tell them about Jesus. Not just tell them, but you're going to show them. You're going to lead them. You're going to direct them. If you love somebody, you're not ashamed of them, are you? You'll fight for them, won't you? You'll even die for them if you need to. So the question I ask is, do you really love Jesus? High priorities are the things that we value the most. And for most churches and most people, evangelism isn't the big thing. It isn't high on the chart. We look around, we look at, we, we want to complain about why things are going down, why things are, are not, why people don't go to church or why people don't really respect God's word. Why, 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 why? Look in the mirror, it's us. We've got to start living it out so people can have some respect for it. We've got to follow God. Evangelism starts with us taking the next step and being out there saying, hey, here I am, God, use me, share me. Let me share my life with somebody. But we can't do that if we're focused on everything on surface level instead of focused on eternity. I got thinking about the man that that got it right, besides Jesus. One of the men in the Bible, Paul in 1 Corinthians, that's where we're going to be, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But but Paul got it. I mean, Paul, it really really struck Paul. You know why it struck Paul? Because Paul knew where he came come from. Paul knew what God had saved him from. Y'all ain't going to give me nothing this morning. Amen. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 19 says this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And when I read that, I read that this week, I began as like, God, this is the most evangelistic man. His heart was to to save people from hell. His heart was to to open the eyes of the religious, was to open up the hearts of the lost, and to be on the same level with the weak, so that he could win those people. He he was passionate about Christ. He was passionate about God. Jeremy... When I begin to think about it. I was, like, I was asking myself and asking God, it's like, Lord, what made Paul? What made Paul so evangelistic? What made Paul so just so driven? And I think it goes on. From, we win in the areas of evangelism when we realize, like Paul, that the gospel has been entrusted to us. When we realize our relationships matter. When we realize that we need to adapt and not be stiff. And when we desire for personal holiness with a single-minded vision. I got thinking about Paul. Paul says he would give up his rights and do whatever it takes to win people to Christ. This was the heart. This is the heart of what God wants for our church and and for the church in general. Paul said, look, I'm giving up anything and everything that I have a right to just so I can win one person. Wow, what would make a man do that? What would make a man give up everything? He gave up his right to be married. He gave up his rights to to have a successful life in in the world's eyes. He gave up everything. He was a nomad traveling around from place to place sharing the gospel. What makes a man do that? The only thing is Christ. You see, this man was a a murderer. This man was a killer. This man was after Christians. He 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 was a religious person thinking that religion was saving him. He was persecuting the church, but on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed him forever. And from that moment on, his life was no more about, about, about himself, about this religion, but it was all about telling people the good news of Christ. It was all about sharing the gospel. It didn't matter if he got beat up. It didn't matter if he got beat down. It didn't matter what people thought about him. He did not care because it was all about Jesus. Our lives did not turn into that Passion, and our, that, 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 I reckon our minds conform to that thinking until really we've had that Damascus Road experience. I want to ask you, Seth, have you had that moment in your life to where life is not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. It's not about this religion, this mere religion where I go to church. I want people to know Jesus. Have you had that moment? Because that's what drives evangelism. That's what drove Paul to a place. To, he just recently abandoned his whole life, and it was all about God, everything. Because he realized that the gospel had been entrusted to him. The gospel is the good news. Why is it good news? Why is it good news? Because we were once dead in sin. Why? Because Jesus, God sent Jesus to die and pay the penalty of our sin. That's good news. Amen? Amen. Some, it's good news for half of you. It's good news. Because I don't, I, don't have, I don't have to go and do that old oh, that religious stuff where I, I, I kill the cow and I have to put it on the sacrifice. I don't have to do that to bait myself right before God because Jesus paid that penalty of my sin. And if I'm following Christ, if I'm obedient to God, if I'm truly following Jesus Christ, then I can spend eternity with God. So many people make salvation about about them, but it's not about you. It's always been about God. God saved us for a purpose. God saved us to tell people about him. In 1 Peter, it says that we should proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. What made Paul so evangelistic is he was looking back at where he was, and he was so thankful that God called him out of that. If you're here this morning, you're thankful what God called you out of. Can I hear Amen. I'm so thankful that God called me out from where I was. But you know what what that does? It puts a burden and a passion in my heart to go and tell people that was in the same walk of life I was in. I want to go back to those people and say, you know what, Jesus changed me. And I know a lot of people say Jesus changed them and they're playing games, but let me tell you something, Jesus changed me. And he changed me and he can change you. But the only problem is you got to get serious about it. You can't play games. You can't act like one thing on Sunday and another thing the rest of the week. you really got to pursue God with all your heart because that's who you are. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul was doing. He was living it every single day. It wasn't just the Sunday morning religion. It was his life. His life was in pursuit of God. And that's what evangelism is. Every single day, making every moment count. Paul said he, he was so willing to lay his life down, to make a slave to other people. He wanted to live his life down so that other people would know the gospel. Man, that is, that's love. That is love. Can you character, characterize your life as that? We got to realize that every encounter, every personal habit, every action points to what we say we believe. Everything we do points to what we say we believe. And if, if if we believe in Jesus, if we say we're following Christ, but we don't tell anybody, then do you really believe in Jesus? I want to tell you something. My Mima. My Memema makes the best apple turnovers in this world. Best ones ever. Sabrina and I first, you know, Sabrina and I first started dating. We went over there, and I'm kind of stingy about them apple turnovers because you know I want them all. I told baby, I told Sabrina, I said, "Baby, you want you want to eat one of them apple turnovers? Now, just get one, but you want to taste one of them." No, uh, uh, uh -uh. them things are fried. I was like, "Look here, anything that's sweet that's fried, you gotta try it." (laughs) She's like, "Uh, that ain't on my diet." I said, "Look, I promise you, this thing, these things are awesome. I promise." She's like, "No, I don't want one." I went and got one. It's like you got to try this thing. So finally she did. Why? Because I knew that if she tasted it, she would know that it was good. And she would want more of it. And that's the thing. I had confidence in my grandma's apple turnovers. I wanted them to try it. Do you have confidence in God? Because if he hasn't really changed your life, you don't have confidence in him. You're not going to want to share him with anybody else. I want to go to my friends. I want to go to my family. And I want to say, look, God's changed my life. Come on and taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? But that's what we got to do. We got to step out if we've really tasted and seen. This past week, a guy that I have become to really love and care about, like a, like a brother, he got saved back in January, and, and he wrote down his testimony this past week. And he gave me his notebook, and he said, "Here's my testimony. I want you to read it." And uh, I began to read his testimony. When I got to the end of it, just. Just tears began to stream down my face because I, I remember the man he once was. I used to hear about the man he once was. And his whole heart, his whole heart is about telling people about Jesus. His whole heart is about telling people that they had a bad family, that Jesus can save you through that. He's all his whole heart is about telling people that it was religious. His whole heart now is telling people about that. And he's trying to live it every single day. When I see that, I see a life changed. I see that, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that my friend is saved because his life shows the fruit of that, because he's wanting to tell everybody. Does your life show that? Are you passionate about telling people about Christ? See, Paul was living under the control of the Holy Spirit, and it dominated Paul. The gospel dominated Paul everywhere he lived. The gospel drove Paul. The good news drove Paul. Is the gospel driving you? Is the gospel driving you? Ask yourself that. My meaning for life, is it it because of the good news of Jesus Christ or the reason I get up in the morning and I go to work is because I need money? When you've had that Damascus Road experience, let me tell you something. You don't go to work because you need money anymore. You go to work because your co-workers need Jesus. You have a different outlook on life. It's not about you anymore. It's not single-focused anymore. It's about what can I leverage my life for to, to, to win people for the gospel? That's what Paul did. Everything, every action, everywhere he went, he was leveraging those things to tell people about Jesus. But yet we don't do those things. I want to ask you a question Are you serving others with the gospel, with the good news, because of how you've been served with the gospel? See, people had to say, I'm a slow learner. I'm a slow learner. Thank you all for not saying amen, but I know you was. I've seen it. People told me, I had friends that told me the good news over and over and over. I've seen a change in their life, but I, didn't, I just didn't want that at that time. Sometimes sharing the good news once isn't good enough. We've got to keep sharing it again. Not that it's not good enough, but not. some people are just, are just hard-headed. Some people are just stubborn. You have, to, you have to not only tell them the good news, but, sh- but live it out in front of them so they can see your life changed. A lot of reasons we won't tell people about Christ because they're abrasive. We think that they're going to say something bad about us, or they're going to they're really just throw us down, reject us. One of the biggest encounters I ever had was there was a guy on a worksite. The most, the, he was a bitter man, just mean, hateful man. He would cuss people rather than look at them. And he was intimidating to me. And I had just gotten saved, and I was telling everybody, and it was like, I seen that man, and I was like, well, not him. <laughs> like, uh-uh, God. That man's like Goliath. He will eat me. Uh-uh, no. But every time I seen him, I would hear him cuss, and I would hear him how he would just belittle people, and it would kind of just break my heart. Until one day, he jumped on me, and he cussed me, and I did not react like I once would. And I just, I just took it. And I turned around, and I walked off, and he came to me, and he was like, what's up with you? I was like, what you mean? You didn't say nothing back. I was like, well, there wasn't nothing to say. Something, something ain't right. Something ain't right with you. And it was in that moment, like God said, you need to tell him what's not right with you. And I began to share about Jesus, how God had changed my life. And I don't know if that man ever received Jesus. I don't know if he ever surrendered his life, but he had a softening in his heart toward me that moment on. He never cussed me again. He never said anything wrong to me again. Really, he avoided me most of the time. But the thing is, is I had a peace, and I had a brokenness about that man because I wanted that man to know Jesus. So many times we can write people off and say, and they're too far gone, but nobody's too far gone from the hand of God. And Paul was a great example of that. Paul realized that the gospel was entrusted to him. It was was here. It was in his hands. God was saying, here, take this and share this good news. I want to share the good news like I do my grandma's apple turnovers. I want everybody to taste it and see. Do you? The next thing is our relationships. We win in evangelism when we realize our relationships matter. We have to leverage our relationships for the gospel in every aspect. Every relationship you have, every person that you know, some, if I had to just guess, probably 90% of them, 95% of them don't know God. But probably all of them say that they believe in Jesus. You have to leverage your relationships and just live life with people, showing them that Jesus saves and he changes those people that are following him. See, that's what's wrong in a society today. People want, to see, people want to follow Christ. People want to see authentic followers of Jesus. They want to see it real in your life, but they're not going to follow, they're not going to take that step until they see it real in your life. I can tell you, I can, I can, I can drive a, a brand new truck out there, and let's say, man, that, that's the best truck ever. But if I get out of that Chevy, if I don't get in that Chevrolet and get in a Ford, you ain't gonna think I'm, I'm backing up my price, backing up my, my truck. I'm looking at Hunter and thinking something totally different. Hunter, she- Hunter, Hunter sells Chevrolets. So if Hunter was in that Chevrolet and he's like, hey, that's the best truck that's ever on the market, you need to buy that thing. But he gets out and he gets in a brand new Ford and leaves. I'm gonna think he's lying to me. If we're telling people that Jesus is the best thing ever, but yet we're never living it out in front of people, then the world thinks we're lying to them. And in reality, we are. How we behave shows what we believe. (laughs) So if we think, if we believe that hell is hot in eternity, if we believe that our family and our friends are going to spend eternity separated from God, if we truly believe that, then how can we stay silent? How can we not run and beat the doors down? How can we not just take whatever ridicule comes? How? See, our relationships matter because it reminds us from who we once were. One of the the biggest biggest moments I had is going back to, to, to relationships I once had to friends I once had, to those old friends. See, I had to get away from that lifestyle for so long because I was weak and I couldn't I couldn't stand up in that. I couldn't I couldn't go to my drinking buddies anymore. I couldn't hang out with them because I would fall back into that same thing. And then for a while they were like, "So you think you better than me?" You think you better than me? Cuz you won't talk, you won't hang out with me and I couldn't. They didn't understand that. It's just like an addict I mean, anybody, anybody that's an addict, if they, you're addicted to a drug, you can't hang around them same friends. If not, you're going to fall right back into it. Sin is an addiction. I couldn't hang out with those. But after a while, I got where I could stand around. I could be around them. I could be around people that were cussing and carrying on and may not be affected. And when I found myself where I was strong enough to be around those people, then I could go back to my old friends I could share the gospel. God didn't save you from where you come out of, for you to forget who you once were. He saved you to impact those people he saved you out of. We've got to go back to those people. We'll go back and say, look what God's done in my life, and he can do it for you. Our relationships matter. We've got to reach out to ones around us and spend time with those who need Jesus. We, we, we've, we've put such a, a, a wrong spin on evangelism of, of like, Now that you're saved, you got to spend time with only people that are Christian. Don't spend time with nobody else. What does that do? We don't impact the world. We're just all self-centered instead of outward focused. If we're not doing life with people that need need Jesus, then how are we going to share Jesus with anybody? Our relationships matter. When I read verses 20... In 2020 20 and 21 and 22, it, it makes me realize how we have to be different things to different people. He says, To the Jew, I first I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Verse 21, To those who not having the law, I became like one not having the law, which was the lost. Verse 22, To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people. So that by all possible means, I might save some. So God's called us to reach out to every kind of person, every race, every social, economical status. It doesn't matter. There's nobody that God does not want us to reach. But the only way we got to do that, we got to get out of the box. See, so He says, Look, He calls them in verse 20, He says, Look, I want you to go reach the religious. I'm going to go reach the religious. The religious, the people that think they're saved. But or not, they're the hardest people to reach. People that've grown up in church their whole life. People that, 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 people that have been baptized, people that, that said the sinner's prayer, people that's grown up in church, they have a false salvation because they think their salvation is about what they've done instead of who they're following. And they're not really truly following Christ. So God's called us to go to the religious and say, look, church don't save you, Jesus does. He's called us to go out and call them out of religion and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of you here today that God's called you out of religion. He called me out of religion, praise God. I was blinded, and I have a passion for people that are caught up in religion. People that are just playing games with God. People that show up at church on Sunday, but they were at the joint Saturday night. God's called me to reach those people because I can say, I've done the same thing. And God's called me out of that but we can't be stiff about it. God's used us. God's God's saved us for a purpose, to to reach the religious, to reach the lost, those that don't know Jesus. We got to to reach out to those people. People that don't even know God. People that have never even heard what it means to follow Christ. I mean, I met with people before that they've been around church so much that they don't even understand what it means to follow God. They're just as lost as anybody. God's called us to reach our lost coworkers that don't don't have any 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 kind of idea what it means to follow God. And He's also called us to reach the weak, those that are hurting, those that are helpless. See, Paul said he became, even to the weak he became weak. That means he identified with their struggle. He identified with their problems. He identified with their issues. To the weak he became weak. Are we willing to 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 back off our pride train that we're driving and get down on somebody else's level and be like, you know what, I, I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm going to walk with you through this stuff. I don't understand this addiction. I, I, I promise I don't understand why, why, but you know what, I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to be weak with you. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going I'm to be weak with you. Because somebody that's weak don't need somebody over their top going, over their head looking down saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, shame on you, you messed up there. They need somebody to get down with them, hold their hand, and walk with them until they're strong enough to walk on their own. And Paul says, that's what God said to the weak, I became weak. I think for a lot of us that's something we struggle with. We need to identify with people's weaknesses so we can walk them to a closer relationship with Jesus. To reach people that nobody's reaching, guys, we've got to do things that nobody's doing. We've got to take this, this shell of thinking that to get people to Christ means I've just got to pray harder. It means i got to do these spiritual things. i got to go to church more to reach people, to be evangelistic, to be what no. Yes, prayer is most important. I've got a list of names I pray for every week. Every week I pray for people. Every week. Every day there's a different group of people I pray for. But let me tell you something. If I don't take action and go walk with those people, see, we want to pray for people because you know what? That's easy, I, I, it's non confrontational. I, I don't have to get my hands dirty, I don't have to change my schedule. I am not to do any of those things, but you know what, if I step out and start doing life with those people that I'm praying for, that's going to have to be some sacrifice on my side, on my part. Are you willing to sacrifice your schedule? Are you willing to sacrifice your time? Are you even willing to sacrifice your reputation for somebody to come to know Jesus Christ? Because that's what the rubber meets the road. If we really believe what we say we believe, then we'll we'll go. There, there won't be an ocean deep enough and wide enough to keep us from getting to those people. There won't be anything to separate us from reaching those people. You know, I'm a fireman, and sometimes we 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 run into some really, really tough situations. And there was a situation a couple years ago that we ran into that. It was a family in a house, and I won't, never forget, I won't never forget this as long as I live, but when I rolled up on the scene, this, the father come running out to me, and he was like, hey, the, the granddaddy did. He said, hey, the family's in the house, son. You got, y'all got to come, and we were trying all we could to beat in that house, to get in that house, to save this family. With that intensity, my adrenaline was pumping. Everything I was focused on was saving that family out of that fire because I knew that if they didn't get out of that fire, then somebody was going to die. I knew that. That was driving me to, to give 110%. It didn't matter if I got burned. It didn't even really matter if I died, as long as I got somebody out of that burning house. That's the same intensity that we should re- go out reaching our community. That's the same intensity we should go reaching our family, our coworkers, our friends. If we really believe that eternity separated from Jesus, it's the most catastrophic thing that can happen to you. I'm so thankful that somebody was living on mission and spent time with me, that walked me through my mess, that walked me through my mistakes. And you know what they did? They woke me all the way to the arms of Jesus until he grabbed his arms around me. And I finally knew that I was his. I don't know God's plan. I could have made it there without my friends. But I wouldn't have made it there fast enough. And because they love me enough to do life with me, they love me enough to lead me, they love me enough to care for me, they didn't keep me when I was down, they brought me along. I'm willing to look back at my Damascus Road experience and see what God's done and have that same passion to pursue other people because he's worthy, amen? He died for us. And the last part is that we won't won't do those things. That last part in verse 24, he says, do you not know that the race and all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games it goes into strict training. They do it to get the crown that will not last, but we do it for the crown that will last forever. Paul's saying this life has purpose. This life has meaning. And it is for all of us to pour every single ounce of it out for the glory of God. But to run the race, we have to stay on mission. To run the race, we've got to stay focused on what the end prize is if the end of my life is focused on how much money I have in my retirement fund, how how, how, good I'm gonna, how much money I'm going to leave my kids, how well-known I am in the business world, if that is my motivation for the end of my life, that's meaningless. That's straight-up useless. We're using all your energy for nothing. But to pull your life out for, to the God that created you, Every single day, living it, focused on mission for him. Every single day. Now, that's something that will last forever. I want to get to heaven and God say, thank you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not depart from me, I never knew you. We have to run the race to succeed. Just like the runner, I think about... about my insane friends that, that run all the time. I think about Chad, how Chad runs insane amount of miles and things. One morning, I was like, what you been doing? Oh, I just, just got through running 15 miles. I was like, what? Was your car broke down? <laughs> but he was training for a marathon. He was training to get to the finish line. And he knew that it was going to take discipline. He knew there was going to be some time. Some, some some things he was going to have to do, some miles that he was going to put down that was going to be painful, that wasn't going to be fun, but he was doing it for the prize. See, and that's the thing. If our eye is on Jesus, if the end is, is, is pleasing him and spending eternity with him, let me tell you something the little bumps in the road, worrying about what somebody thinks about you because you're telling the good news of Christ, that won't bother you because you're focused on him. the nights you spend on your knees crying because of family members and friends that are lost and you want them to know Jesus Christ, those tears will not be wasted because your eyes on the prize. But are you going to put feet to that passion? Are you going to pursue God? Are you going to pursue those things? You know, people pay attention to how you run. People pay attention to, to, to what, what you really have a passion for, and they pay attention to those things. Rick and Chad, they went to the, to, the, uh, to the Trail, Appalachian Trail, for years. And they'd always come back, and they would leave like tired. Chad would act like he was half depressed, and he'd come back, and he'd be like happy and smiling and joyful. And it was like, man, I've never seen anybody be happy after walking 30 something miles in the mountains. And they went like three or four years, and I kept saying, you know, I, I want to experience that. I, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And he wouldn't ever take me. <laughs> I want to go with you, and he wouldn't ever take me. So finally, I told Rick. Rick's was like, I will right, we'll go. So we all, we all went. Me, him, and Dallas went. And man, what pushed me to go and wasn't the trail. Was, it was Rick and Chad. It was their passion for the trail. It was, it was their enjoyment of the trail. And it pushed me to want to go. I was paying attention to how they were running the race. I was paying attention to how they enjoyed it. Do you enjoy following Christ? Do you enjoy following Christ? Or is it a chore to you? Because if it's a chore to you, then guess what? Something's wrong in your walk. You might have some rocks in your shoes that you need to get out this morning. Because you can't enjoy walking if you got rocks in your shoes. Maybe you need to dump those things out this morning. Our life should be full of joy. Full of joy. You know what? I noticed when I was walking on that trail with them, if I wasn't focused on that, I'd walk off in a heartbeat. I'd wander off. And you're on that trail in the mountains, you walk off the wrong spot. You're going to go see Jesus if you know him. <laughs> so many times we're walking down this path and we've got great intentions. We've got great intentions. But we just lose focus. Maybe some of you this morning realized that you lost focus. And you need God to draw you back in this morning. We're not going to impact this world if we don't step out of our comfort zone and start sharing, telling people about Jesus. We just don't, don't start telling people about what he did in our life. Don't we start telling people about our Damascus Road experience? You know what broke my heart the most is when I got the statistics back and it realized that there's eleven thousand people in Jenkins County, and only eight and only two thousand of those people go to church on Sunday. There's 8,000 people that don't go to church in any form or fashion in our county. That's that's right here where we live. That's our friends and family. That's our neighbors. That's the people we see at the football field. They don't know Jesus Christ. Let that sink in for just a second. How are they going to know unless we tell them? How are they going to see unless we show them? God saved you for a purpose, and that's to live your life out in front of everybody around you so that they can see the glory of God that called you out of darkness and into light. We win in evangelism when we step out and follow God. There's a thousand other things that I could say. I'm going to end with this. As Mr. Eddie comes up, I want you to think about how you behave. I want you to think about this past week. Did your behavior this past week show that you believe what you say you believe? Because if that isn't the truth, if your behavior hasn't shown the world that you really believe in Jesus, if your behavior hasn't shown the world that you love him, then it's time to get stuff right in your life this morning. Maybe you need to surrender your life to God. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Christ this morning. If you need to do that, I'm going to be right here in this corner. The prayer team is going to be over here in this corner as well. If you need prayer, if you need to say, God, I'm struggling, I need help. There's rocks in my shoes, Jeremy, and I need some help getting them out so that I can walk worthy of the call of my life. If you need to say, say for some reason, I started out right, but, but I got off the path, and I need redirection this morning. That's what this time is for. Are you going to continue to complain that other people aren't living it when you yourself aren't taking the necessary measures to make sure you're living it? I'm tired of of having fake people in church. I'm tired of that. It don't glorify God. If you want to have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, then this morning is your morning to change all that. If you know you've been playing games, then don't, don't leave this place without surrendering those things to God. If we're going to affect our county, if we're going to affect our neighbors, our coworkers, then we have to be on mission every single day, and they're counting on you. So when the music starts, are you going to play your part? Are you going to surrender? Are you going to keep playing games? The ball's in your court, because God knows your heart better than I do, and how you behave shows what you believe. So you will stand. When I get through praying, y'all are welcome to come. Father God, we just pray right now that you would penetrate our hearts, Lord. That God, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be still, we wouldn't stay in these seats. God, we would not just, Lord, I pray that you're moving in our hearts right now. God, we won't stand here and remain the same. God, I pray that you would just put such a passion in our hearts and realizing that our family needs us to stand out and to stand up for you, God. I pray, God, that Lord, the salvation that you've given us, Lord, I pray, God, that it would just just well up inside of us, Lord. Just such a thing that we can't keep quiet. We can't be still until we tell somebody. Lord, I pray, God, that you would move in a powerful way. God, only you can break the chains of those in this room that's been telling you, I'll wait, Lord, I'll get right later. Only you, God, can break the chains off of those that's hardened their heart that's been telling you no for 20 years. God, I pray you break those chains right now, Lord. Chains off the religious people right now that they're just being religious. God, I pray you break those chains this morning because just being religious, I know, God, when we're just religious, we don't share the gospel. God, when we're lost, we don't share the gospel. And God, when we're weak, we don't share the gospel. So Lord, I pray, Father, that you would move and you would identify In the hearts of the people here, where they are, where they struggle, and what they need to do. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will pour upon us so hard, Lord, right now, that we can't leave this place until we get things right with you. Please, Lord, touch us. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.